0: We troubleshoot some problems on a 97 TJ with a 2.5 liter inline four and find out just how fed up everybody is with everything that's going on. And don't forget to share the Jeep Talk Show with your friends. Just tell them to go to JeepTalkShow.com.
1: You're listening
2: to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show
1: with jeep mama
3: are you sure
1: josh
0: yeah i don't think so and
4: tony i think that's a huge deal
1: so sit back strap in and embrace yourself
4: the jts team is here to inform and entertain you about jeeps if you're new to the jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty you're in the right place Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that is also a weekend warrior, this show's for you. Find out more about the show at the jeeptalkshow.com website.
3: I'm Tammy and my
2: mask is made of tinfoil
3: to match my hat.
0: (laughs) I'm Josh and this week is weaker than the weakest week sauce.
2: Howdy, it's Wendy and I'm over the glove and mask party.
4: I'm Tony. The size of the hail falling here in Texas is making me feel, have feelings of inadequacy. I'm firing the person that writes these things for me. I just want you to know. <laughs> it's two inches of hail. Damn it. I mean, that's what they're calling for is two inch hails. How dare you?
1: Local Jeep news, national Jeep news,
0: and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And this week in Jeep this week is sponsored by a bad news sandwich. I've got a great Jeep news story for you Jeepers to chew on this week, but I have to sandwich it in between two stories I wish I didn't have to share. And first up is a pretty big recall. Over 300,000 vehicles from Fiat Chrysler automobiles are subject to a new recall involving glitchy backup cameras, according to documents FCA filed with the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration earlier this month. The recall involves models from the Jeep, Ram, Dodge, and Chrysler brands, the affected vehicles may house a software problem that causes the rear-view camera feed to remain on on the infotainment screen after the driver shifts out of reverse. Vehicles affected include the 2019 through 2020 Jeep Grand Cherokee, Wrangler, Renegade, Ram 1500 and 2500 pickups, Dodge Durango, and even that damn Chrysler Pacifica is involved too. Unfortunately, certain 2020 Jeep Gladiator and Cherokee models are also included. The problem can occur with these vehicles when they are equipped with either the 8.4-inch or 12-inch infotainment screens only. The glitch puts puts each vehicle out of compliance with a federal safety standard, and the NHTSA says the lingering rearview image can distract the driver, which increases the risk of a crash, which we all know can kill you. FCA will notify owners of the affected vehicles, and owners will need to bring their vehicles to their local dealer. There, they will receive an updated software kit to fix the issue. If you think your vehicle is affected, you can contact the NHTSA through their website, contact your local dealer, or just look for the notices that will start arriving in the mail starting May 22nd.
4: <laughs> oh, I I can't. What? I'm still backing up. I feel
0: like I'm going forward. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, that'd
5: be kind of weird when
0: the image on the dash is going backwards as you're backwards. going forwards. It, yeah, you kind of get that weird effect going on. It's, uh, am I coming or am I going? Whee! I just don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> going to create some bal- off balance issues for some people don't you think it like it would i think it like would like vertigo or something
4: i'm making light oh. of it but it would be very discombobulating
2: i think Car it would I don't
0: know.
4: and
2: the other thing is why are they waiting till may 22nd? seriously what can they send about now that's what
0: i've always wondered too it's like okay you're going to you're going to announce this this recall it's it's officially news at this point but then you're going to wait like another like 3 or 4 weeks before you do anything about it that is no chances <laughs> are what they're doing is they're making sure the entire entire dealer network is up to speed and that they have everything that they're going to need to address this so- or the address the software issue with any of the vehicles meaning that they're going to have the cables that they need to hook things up they're going to have mm-hmm. the software patch it's been tested all of that Training. sort of thing and the, and the yeah. dealers are all sort of in compliance once the dealers are in, in compliance then they can start notifying owners who will then immediately, as soon as they open that envelope, off to their dealership if not before So it, chances are they're just getting Their ducks in a row and wanting to make sure that Everything is set and ready to go before The masses start doing something about this
4: They're, they're letting their legal team get up to speed Before <laughs> yeah. everybody starts suing Nobody has anything like, to do You know because exactly. they're, they're at home Oh look, let me call my lawyer I'm not doing anything he's probably not doing anything Let's sue these people for the backup camera <laughs> That they haven't used for three weeks Right <laughs> So Tammy, I know you got the Rubicon model. Yours is a 2015, I think. Do you Do you have the backup camera on your your infotainment system?
3: No, um, and to be honest with you, I hardly use mine at all. My no, no, I know you didn't really use it, but I thought yeah.
4: certainly you would know if you had the backup camera. And I'm kind of surprised it doesn't right. have that. So uh, I didn't think it affected the older the older Jeeps. I was just wondering if you actually use that or not. But since you don't have it, I guess I guess you don't.
3: No, I don't. I don't think I would anyway. My wife
4: really wanted it because uh, she can't see the, the lifted Jeep and the uh, the spare tire in the, the rear. The spare
3: tire, yeah.
4: makes it difficult to see, I, so.
3: Yeah, I just not know like, you know what? If they're in my way, they're going to hit me because I'm backing out.
4: <laughs> That's what the lift is for.
3: <laughs>
2: That's exactly. what the beeping in the back's for, right? Beep, beep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always been one where I know where the corners of my vehicle are. I've, I've got that vehicle awareness syndrome or something. I mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. So, I've always been able to... You know, I, I don't need the backup camera. I, I can turn my well, head. I know where the corner is at. You know, it's, yeah, anyways, don't get me started.
2: I was just going to say um, hauling horses and stuff, you, you don't, you're not able to use that rear view mirror. So you learn to back up with your uh, side mirrors. So I never even look. So it's just natural for me to not ever need one of those cameras because you just use the mirrors.
0: Now, well, that and, and you pulled into the place to begin with you should know how to back out
2: exactly <laughs> well let
4: me let me tell you a story real quick uh, that I got a ticket for and I was only like 16 17 18 years old and of course the big thing back then was if you had a car uh, you would lift it up in the back actually use the shackles uh, on oh, the, yeah, yeah you to know, bring it up and then put large tires on it because you know it's, it's a race car and you need slicks on the back and uh, I had mine jacked up pretty high it was a, a probably a forerunner to lifting a whole vehicle and uh, I'm sitting at a light and there's a, a car stalled or, or something up ahead, so I start backing up and I don't know why I'm hearing this this Volkswagen type noise beeping uh, as I'm backing up. I think like, that's really strange, and then I come to an abrupt stop because oh, there was geez. a there was a VW Volkswagen behind me <laughs> <laughs> that I cratered the you know the the the, the trunk hatch you know in the oh, front no and I, I never saw it. I, it was I was lifted too high in the back. I could not see out. You look at both the uh, side mirrors. There was nothing there. So uh, th- there well, is he must a place. Have been just
0: right up your. I mean, maybe. right on
4: you. Yeah. Your, yeah, yeah. So there may be a situation where a backup camera is 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 very helpful in any lifted vehicle that is blocking a smaller vehicle behind you or uh,
0: even to the sides. Well, you shouldn't have bought a smart car to begin with. <laughs> Well, it's officially in production. Too many of you, uh, Hennessey. Too many of you, the Hennessey's Maximus 1000 is is old news. After the announcement came in May of last year, that's like so totally last spring. <laughs> but after nearly a year of testing the heavily modified Hellcat V8-powered Jeep Gladiator pickup, the Jeep world got a word this week that this beast is finally making its way to prospective owners. Oh, and Hennessey has put together a very Sweet video showing just how extensive and awesome its uh, testing really was. Apparently much of the testing, and I'm using that term very loosely here, was done in the desert where Team Hennessy undoubtedly had a blast tearing around the dunes in a Jeep truck with supercar-like powers. The video is full of huge rooster tails, amazing drifts, and some insane jumps the likes of which you have not seen a Jeep do before. Yeah, that's right, I said jumps. And I'm talking full-on 100-mile-per-hour desert race truck-style jumps with sick hang time, and this Jeep handles it like a pro. The the video is simply not to be missed. The Maximus makes an eye-watering 1,000 horsepower and has an utterly unstoppable 933 foot-pounds of torque to put all those horses to immediate use. And it sounds absolutely tremendous. Terrifyingly aggressive, doesn't begin to describe the exhaust note of this thing, and it's something that will undoubtedly haunt your dreams for nights to come. Among other things, the complete custom stainless steel exhaust setup, a complete ECU retune, custom radiator, and race-inspired fuel system were all added to help the supercharged V8 reach nearly hypercar-level power that it can produce with a flick of your toe. But thankfully, the people at Hennessey didn't stop at the Jeep's engine bay. The Maximus also receives a 6-inch suspension lift with top-of-the-line King shocks, Dana 60 axles front and rear with completely upgraded internals, and a Hennessey-branded 20-inch wheels with BFG 37-inch KD off-road tires. It also comes with a jaw-dropping custom interior and a price tag that will have you clutching your chest. The Jeep Gladiator Maximus by Hennessey Performance will cost you Roughly $225,000 and is limited to just oh my 24 God. units. <laughs> 24 units. That's all that they're going to make. And four of them have already been delivered. For those balking at the price tag, it does at least come with a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty. It's not bad for something almost completely aftermarket.
4: So I'm just going to say it. Uh, and We'll have this picture that uh, Josh has provided us, uh, the host in the show notes. We'll have it in our uh, on our website. But I'll just to say it. For the the majority of the people that look at this Jeep, the $225,000 Jeep, you'll be able to make your uh, Jeep Gladiator look exactly the same for the price of a six-inch lift. (laughs) Most of the people are not going to notice this stuff because they're not going to notice the axles. They're not going to notice the engine. Uh, I mean, you can put the whip on there with the United States flag on the back, and you got the exact same truck.
0: Yeah, as far as aesthetics go on the outside, there really isn't a whole lot that they've done to the rig. I mean, there are some subtle cues and whatnot, but it's not until you get up close um, and start getting into the vehicle that you really start seeing where all the modifications take place. It's not just your average everyday six-inch lift either. It's, it's certainly been massaged and, and upgraded and reinforced by Hennessy Performance. Uh, that's why you can't find pretty much any information as far as a brand name on the lift itself. Um, as far as like the shocks go, well, there's uh, a lot of photography involved in that. I'm pretty sure there was maybe even a sponsorship uh, with that as well as with the BF Goodrich tires. Considering those are about the only brands listed in the entire spec sheet uh, that the uh, that the Hennessey Performance has on their website for this thing. So um, certainly a lot of hush hush revolved around this. I mean, it is a thousand horsepower truck that is not a full size diesel, you know, bro dozer. So. Uh, there's definitely something nice, behind nice. this thing. Yeah. It, it is it is a very nice looking rig, um, performance wise, especially uh, when you start getting into the, you know what this thing is on paper. I, I would just love to have a lap with this thing.
4: Good lord, what is that? Uh, six million dollars of inventory they've got. Did I do the math right? It's uh about I was uh, told there'd be math about four of those per <laughs> and uh, yeah. So about <laughs> Wait, there's yeah. math? So, so about six million dollars is what they're looking at making off of these things. And I'm sure there's there's gonna be some deals. You can probably get one for. Uh, uh, two hundred and twenty-four ninety-nine or something. So,
0: <laughs> buy three tires. We'll throw in the 4.3. three.
4: So the, you know you need to, uh, or on this one that they did the uh, the testing out on the uh, the sand and stuff because I didn't hear anything about them strengthening the uh, the frame. Uh, they'll change that Maximus uh, sticker they've got there on the uh, quarter panel to or the front fender to uh, Taco. So I Aww. think it will be. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna, Well, you saw the one that bent
0: pulling the yeah. trailer. So I wonder if they did any reinforcing of the, uh, they the frame. They would have had to have, right? Because I was somebody so. is, is, yes. is just towing a, a two thousand pound, not even a two thousand. It was like a twelve hundred pound trailer down the uh, down a trail, uh, and it and it tacos the rear end. Uh, you know the the, the rear frame. I, yeah, I just I I don't know if okay if that does that. Then how does jumping a, a putting a thousand horsepower in it and jumping it sixty feet in the air not. Completely ruin it. I uh, clearly there was it some other things reinforced. going on here. Yeah, yeah there's, there's got to be
4: some. Other things. I mean, but, I have no. I have. I'm, I'm certain the axles they've got on there are going to handle this, and I'm the the custom lift and everything. I'm sure is fine. So that suspension stuff. But if they don't do anything to the frame, something had to have been done to the frame to to you know strengthen this thing up for uh, all these jumps and things. Every time I see a, a jeep in the air, I went, man, that thing looked really pretty till they hit the ground.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Until it, it, it
2: wasn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, like I said, bad news sandwich. And here we are with our bottom bun. And uh, this is our first quarter sales report for FCA and Jeep. And I, I try and don't do these every single quarter because it is kind of dry. But this one is, well, kind of as we expected and as the analysts have expected it as well. But we finally have hard numbers to show w- what really was the expecting deep decline in automotive sales in the first quarter of 2020. And we're pretty sure everybody knows why. Now, while things did hum along pretty well through January and most of February, any gains that were made in the auto industry were almost completely wiped out in March as stay-at-home orders and shutdown orders swept over the U.S. in response to this coronavirus outbreak thing that's going on. Now, sales of all FCA's brands combined resulted in a 10% decline year-over-year. The automaker sold a total of 446,768 vehicles between January 1st and March 31st, compared to just under a half a million vehicles during the same period last year. FCA noted strong momentum in January and February, but the figures for March were not enough to carry FCA into the positive. Chrysler sales slipped 5%, and even Jeep was not immune to the slowdown. The crown jewel of FCA posted a 14% drop in sales. Dodge was down 2 with a 20% decline, Fiat saw a very steep dive at nearly 50%, while Alfa Romeo sales fell just 14%. It wasn't all bad news, though, I guess. Ram sales grew 3% overall, and Ram trucks specifically saw a sales rise of 7%. Wow. And despite my seemingly endless trash talking in the last week or so about the drivetrain components of the Chrysler Pacifica minivan, its sales grew 5%, while the Chrysler brand as a whole was down 5%. Really odd numbers for an odd time that we're facing right now. And with as much uncertainty as we're seeing currently industry-wide, I think it's safe to say that numbers for the first half of the second quarter will likely look very similar, at least, to what we are seeing here. Now, ultimately, it's going to be up to the dealer networks, though, to work together to standardize and streamline this concierge buying experience where the entire process is going to be handled remotely or virtually. And you take delivery of a sanitized new vehicle without having to shake anybody's hand. It's... Not really my cup of tea, but I like to make people squirm in person. It's just oh, something yeah. I do. I, I don't know. It's fun. Well, well, this makes sense to me
4: that you make sure I'm correct on this. The, so the truck yeah. and the van uh, rose in uh, sales. There was an increase in sales for those two. Correct. Those are cargo carrying things. They they make great for moving the dead bodies. So this oh, is I thought why. Thought it was for
2: toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> it's
4: it's toilet actually paper actually i think that's what it is is it just, you get the, the toilet paper on there
2: josh, i can't get enough in my little prius i need a truck let's go get a ram
4: josh they're hauling the bodies to make sullient green now i want to ask you every year we have some sort of flu outbreak why why is this flu outbreak hurting the sales numbers so badly
3: that people uh, have to stay
0: it, home, it, it's it really is this. It, it's the reaction. It's this knee jerk yeah. reaction to <laughs> I everything. Just had to wind him up it, a little bit. Ultimately
3: not caused this. Started, <laughs> uh, but you know what, my son. You know he works for um, CarMax. Used to. And, yeah. Well, he no, he does. He still does. He. Um, they got together and. There is one, for all the stores across the nation, there's one salesman, one whatever, one whatever, one whatever, and they are, um, they sold two cars today at my son's oh, shop. Oh, that's great. So, he, he has the longest tenure for his title, so he was first choice. Um, oh, wow. And he's like, Lovely. oh, mom, it's so good to be outside again. I bet. <laughs> um, but he's, he's in there, in the garage, all by himself. You know, detailing. well, that's good. That's
4: safe that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. So no, I uh, it's 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 a sad situation. Uh, yeah. I, I personally think there's humor in anything. And uh, I <laughs> quite often throw, th- throw it out there. So uh, but I did find that interesting that the two vehicles that were up in sales are the ones that have the, the cargo c- carrying capability. So I found that very interesting.
0: Yeah, now obviously some of the dealers that are going to be a little bit more reluctant to change the way that they do things are are likely going to be hit a little bit harder with this than than some of the others who are scrambling very quickly to adapt and make the necessary changes to stay in business and still provide some degree of sales and service in the automotive industry for people who either have or are buying or are servicing new vehicles. It's a it's a horrible situation. There's
4: so many people out of work and uh i i'm amazed that i'm amazed at two things one that uh, businesses are still trying to keep things going and two there's people out there complaining about having to pay rent because you know because of the situation i understand that but what about the people that are getting the rent you know they like to be paid right. too and I, right. this this call for congress to to uh mandate free rent or or free no, home ownership no. or I I, that. I completely understand that, that's, that that viewpoint because everybody's scared. But come on, it's not some rich person that likely that that, that can afford just to float you and living someplace for free for however long this is going to be. I personally oh. think this is going to be over pretty soon anyway. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a tiered, uh, a stair process because if one day they just say, oh, yep, everybody go back outside. People are going to start questioning, well, why all of a sudden? There's no... Yeah. There's no drug that's come out. There's no this mass. uh, But I
0: like the inside. I just just got rid of this tan. I'm all white again. This is great.
4: (laughs) My my wife came in from going to Walmart and Sam's the other day. She goes, it was so nice to get out. And you went, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm just happy as a clam. (laughs) I like being in the house. (laughs) Oh, no. And
2: and speaking of being out, my thought process is once everything's lifted, I think retail, including car sales, is going to actually go up because people are going to want to be out and doing things and touching and feeling oh, and driving the restaurants. Yeah, so there's going to be really there's going
4: to be that. lines for restaurants, and there won't have enough people to take care of enough staff to take care <laughs> right. of the people they are going. I just got to get out of the house. And I saw it the other day it was so, so funny on, on Facebook. It says, uh, "I'm asking for a friend. Can you die from lack of Mexican food?" So, <laughs> oh, I know. I gotta have my tacos. Oh yes. <laughs> I think I think we're going to be just fine. Everybody, hang in there and stay upbeat. So uh,
0: I, I think it'll be good. Two parts common sense, one part patience. Will be fine.
4: Oh, but the patience is the tough part. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised it yes. wasn't more car sales because I mean, how much more fun is it if you're stuck at the house a day and, and maybe you're not laid off uh, and then uh,
3: let's go buy a vehicle?
4: <laughs> That'll make us drive. Like Nobody's
0: on the road
3: anyways,
4: any? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, did you see the uh, the the world we're record? Afraid now afraid your
3: neighbor's going to tattle on you.
4: Yeah, it's true. Did you see the world record, Josh? Where uh, they made it across the United States during this? Uh, uh, they took a car across the United States in 26 hours and 38 minutes. They
0: were able to go oh, coast oh, to the coast.
4: Run yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because of everybody being at home, nobody's on the freeway. Yeah. But <laughs> well, hey, don't forget, you guys all out there, you listening to this right now, can be a Jeep Talk Show news reporter too. If you know of a Jeep story in your hometown, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how.
4: Oh, now's a great time to do that, too.
1: Yeah. You're listening to a four by four Radio Network Podcast. And now
4: it's time for some radio com tech.
5: This is John, and on today's Radio ComTech, I'm going to discuss the last and, frankly, the best option for vehicle communication, ham radio. We have discussed it numerous times before and for good reason. It is far more capable than any other radio options, however, it is a little techie and does require a test. The license is also good for 10 years, but unlike GMRS, a ham radio license only covers a single individual. There are three license levels for ham radio, technician, general, and extra. Depending on the license, a ham radio operator can have access to frequencies from over 275 gigahertz to 135 kilohertz. That means very little to the majority of the listeners, but let me assure you that is a lot of frequencies. Most mobile vehicle-to-vehicle communication, though, happens on 2-meters and or 70-centimeter frequencies, which can be used by the entry-level technician licensee. The HF frequencies allotted to the general and extra licenses are generally for ham radio hobbyists, though they could be used in more remote areas where repeaters may be sparse. You can get radios with only one band or range of frequencies, or with multiple band capabilities. 2-meter or 70-centimeter antennas range from about 19 inches or so up to about 60 inches tall. HF antennas become larger and more complex. Some mobile ham radios can also track your Jeep and send text messages and emails. This is part of what is called APRS. Check out episode 196, where I dove more in-depth on APRS radio also has use of repeaters, which can extend your range up to about 100 miles. Or, if they are part of a linked repeater system, they can transmit your signal out over your state or multiple states. Some internet linked repeaters can also put your signal out on the other side of the country or into different countries. Typically, for off-road or backcountry travel, a single repeater or a local state linked repeater system is the most useful. Unlike the other radio services, ham radio is frequency agile and not limited to set specific channels. And as such, ham radios generally do not come pre-programmed. So you must program your repeaters of choice either manually or using a computer. Even if you use a computer, it's always a good idea to know how to manually set a radio in case you have to tune to a repeater you may not have saved. The test really holds people back from getting their ham license. Even though it is not hard, some people either do not want to put the time into studying or feel they shouldn't have to take a test. For those people, GMRS is a great alternative and very much like the 70 cm handband, as they are quite close in frequency. But for those that want the ultimate radio comms for vehicle-to-vehicle over longer distances or to possibly reach out in case of an emergency, then ham radio is for you. Now in a true life or death emergency when no other forms of communication are available, someone may use any frequency they want to facilitate help, even if they are not licensed. However, it is always best to have experience on the radio so that you know what you are doing should an emergency arise, and this only comes from the experience of operating the radio under a valid license. Some previous episodes to check out are Episode 132, How to Get Your Ham License, and Episode 153, Ham Radio Saves Lives. We've had many other ham radio discussions over the years, but they may not be mentioned in the show notes, so they do not show up when searching the Jeep talk show archives. If you have any other questions about ham radio or any other, the radio services I have mentioned, go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact this John over and out. Great job, John. I appreciate yeah, uh, all the uh, references <laughs> yeah. to the past episodes
4: too. So I, I think I just mentioned this for the folks that, uh, you know, all oh, ham radio, blah, blah, blah. The Simpsons even make fun of that. Um, the difference between, uh, to, to give you a, a visual here, you people used to like magazines and there was a, a certain amount of information and fun and stuff that you could do in a magazine. And then the internet came along and there was this, this vast uh, land of all kinds of things that you could do. That's the difference between any radio communications and ham radio. Ham radio is so diverse and huge and, So many things that you can do. It's a lot like how vast the Internet is just without the porn. So that will give you a pretty good reason why you want to take a test and learn more about it. Uh, You may not be that technical or that interested in uh, the techie side of things, but, uh, oh, my God, it's just a, a very rich and enjoyable service. Dumb it up in Tech Talk. We look at the history of the Jeep 2.5 inline-four. I don't even like saying inline-four, Josh. And do some troubleshooting on one from a 1997 TJ Wrangler that has some issues.
0: Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors. From daily drivers to weekend wheelers. It's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good.
1: It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama.
3: So last week's episode, I shared two must-have apps for Jeepers, Overlanders, Camper Lifers, or just anyone looking to do some dispersed camping. I also shared some helpful tips on the different camping opportunities. Now, those apps were Gaia, a GPS app, and iOverlander, a place to find those off-grid camping spots. Now, as I venture into a different realm of Jeep life, I have been discovering these cool little tidbits. And on this new Jeep Life journey, I'm learning something new every day, and sometimes more than just one thing. Wendy recently shared some items to put in your recovery kit. I've done blog posts and videos on this too. And there's always the basics. But as you and we do more wheeling and more camping, I and you will find some things that you'll want to put in your recovery kit. And some things that I recently found are what I call oddball items. So here are my top three oddball items. Number three is from a couple years back when I banged my steering stabilizer and was able to turn my steering wheel. This was a really easy fix, but at the time I was a little freaked out because I didn't know enough about steering stabilizers. All we needed to do was take it off and I was good to go. I didn't realize you really don't need the steering stabilizer, kind of like your gallbladder. To get the factory JK stabilizer off, you need an eight millimeter wrench. So that tool is always in my toolbox. Then this past fall, I tore my valve stem in Kingman, Arizona on a trail. That torn valve stem let all the air out of my tire and I rolled the bead. My Jeep was in a precarious position. So changing the tire was going to be really difficult, but you know, we didn't need to do that. There was a super easy fix and that's the Colby valve. We just took the old valve out and screwed in the emergency Colby valve, added air, and voila, I was good to go. Now, the valve is still in that tire. I finished that trail and another 5,000 miles to finish the rest of my trip. It's still holding up today, but right now it's on my spare tire since I did the tire rotation. So, number two is the Colby valve. It's very inexpensive, and it's really small, and you can just throw it in your recovery kit bag. And it was funny because a lot of the old school wheelers didn't know anything about it. And we're pretty impressed with the product. So the number one item I discovered I needed to add to my recovery kit is a file. No, not a fingernail file, but a file. The YJ we were wheeling on our trip was having some axle wrap issues. The axle wrap tore up a bolt, which beat up the pinion nut on the rear. As we were headed to my, to Mojave Road on a super-annoying washboard gravel road the Bolt gave. We needed a file to straighten the threads on the end of the Bolt. There were five Jeeps there, and not one of us had one in our tool bag. Granted, some didn't bring all their tools since Mojave Road is a super-easy trail, but boy, did we all go out and buy files when we were done with this trip. We would have been stuck on that isolated gravel road for a pretty long time if it weren't for a passerby in a pickup. Now, the nearest hardware store was about two hours away. And it so happens that passerby in the pickup had a file and we used it. And it turns out he and his buddies were clampers. This is just a little side story here. (laughs) Um, We had no idea what clampers were, but now we do. Order of E. Clampus Vitus, a men's fraternal organization with chapters scattered all around gold country, like gold, mining gold, a nonprofit historical organization. They take care of and erect historical monuments in Southern California. Now, normally, this type of breakdown of sorts would have ruined my day because we were off schedule now i look at these little bumps in the road as opportunities another lesson i learned last fall on my first adventure we met some really cool guys and learned some history because of this little bump in the road and funny we actually ran into them again the next day on the mojave road trip i now relax and let the adventure lead me it's good to have a plan but it's also good to be flexible and to take advantage of those bumps in the road they can turn into some amazing things. You can meet some really amazing people. Next week on the Jeep Talk Show, Jeep Life Show, I will share <laughs> the best kept secret in the off-road community. Ooh, I can't wait.
4: Now, Tammy, <gasps> you know the Clampers? Yeah. Uncle Jed, Ellie
3: Mae, Jethro? <laughs> no. Come I on. Clampers! <laughs> yeah, that was Clamp It. They oh, not- yeah. so close. <laughs> Come
4: on, Josh! It's eating me up. I knew that timely reference. There you (laughs) go. (laughs) (laughs) They made a movie, so it's possible people know about it from the movie. (laughs) That's really interesting. I love the 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 message behind that, Tammy, because don't worry, be happy. That'd be a great a great song. You you gain experience, and you know there's nothing that's going to stop you. It may slow you down, but it's not going to stop you. Damn it.
3: So I also learned this from the be- our first adventure. You know, all our plans got messed up, and we had to change everything around, And it actually turned out really awesome because I ended up being able to have dinner with Dan Grek, and we got to spend the whole next day with him. And so you have to take these little bumps in the road as opportunities of new, exciting things and new, exciting people that you can meet.
2: Yeah, I think that's really great, Tammy. And I think it reminds everybody, too, that it's not always about the destination, getting from A to B, but it's the journey. And what a great story that you yep. got to meet somebody because you had a little bump in the road. I think that's just, it's awesome.
4: I got to meet Dan Greg too, right. at SEMA. He's dreamy.
3: Oh, he's so handsome. <laughs> it's the
4: hat. It's got, he's got the Indiana Jones thing going on there.
3: It's always been the accent
4: if, if, if the I first didn't, time we interviewed him on the show. If, if I didn't shave, I could be the Wookie.
2: How does Tammy's Jeep life compare to yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to com slash contact to find out how.
4: All right, Tammy. This uh, caller has a question I'm, for you. Uh, you need to pay attention. Yeah, I, I'm listening.
1: Hi, Jeep Talk Show. This is Steve, 4.3LXJ, and I uh, just read something disturbing. You know, I'm really (laughs) glad that Tammy does not share her poop (laughs) shovel with anybody (laughs) because according to the Association for Professionals in Infection Control and Epidemiology, Uh fecal particles with the COVID-19 virus can be transmitted when you flush the toilet. And if you close the lid it can prevent 80% of the fecal particles from escaping into the air. Now, that's kind of disturbing because, you know, if you go to a public restroom, there's no lid. But on the other hand, this raises some really serious questions. Like, can you transmit the virus with a fart? (laughs) And if so, what is the minimum safe social distancing for farting in public? does it matter if you're upwind or downwind. What kind of mask do you have to wear to make everybody else safe around you? Well, those are my questions, and maybe Tammy can answer those. See you later. Bye.
3: Um, as, as far as the farting thing, I have no earthly idea. But I will say... Do not use those hand dryers in the public restrooms because when you turn those on, it's blowing all that fecal stuff all over.
4: Oh, those things are such a lie. You get no bacon out of those things. And it clearly is on the label. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so turning the
4: nozzle
3: so, upside
0: down and blowing all that hot party yeah, air into my mouth and making it look like I'm a riding a motorcycle idea. down the street. <laughs> that, that you, you don't do that?
1: No. no? <laughs> okay. Yeah.
4: It's great for the selfies or selfie videos <laughs> where your hair's blowing. <laughs>
2: your cheeks are all side-side like a squirrel. I'm right.
0: all oh. <laughs> You got tech questions? Ah, uh, what do I ever?
2: We have answers.
0: Oh, that's good. I, I, it's I, Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Me. Yahoo! Now we get a fair amount of emails coming to the show each and every week, and sometimes honestly, it's a little hard to keep track of which one is for what part of the show. But I got one this week that really stood out among the rest since it was addressed from a former coworker. Now at first I thought, okay, this might be spam. I- I've had friends and former coworkers, even family members, old emails accounts get hacked, and I'm suddenly getting spam from them. But this wasn't that. In fact, my former coworker Charles, hey Choppy had a buddy with a technical problem on his Jeep and thought we'd be the perfect source for some help. The email states that his buddy has got a 1997 Wrangler with a fresh rebuild on a 2.5 liter Iron Duke. Says there's a weird metallic sound or screeching noise Um, when coming off idle on the throttle and it bogs really bad, but starts and idles just fine. He went on to say that another friend of theirs has almost the exact same problem after a rebuild as well. So what could this be? Well, unfortunately, I have to be there in person to get a better understanding of exactly what's going on, but we'll go over some things regardless and maybe help in some troubleshooting uh, along the way. Now, the Iron Duke engine, also called a 151 or a 2500 or a Pontiac 2.5, and oftentimes referred to as a Tech 4, is a 151 cubic inch 2.5 liter straight 4 engine built by the Pontiac Motor Division of General Motors from 1977 to 1993. GM also began selling the engine to AMC for use in their 1980 model Spirit, Concorde, and Eagle vehicles, and as the Hurricane engine in base model Jeep CJs from 1980 through 1983, including the CJ8, CJ7, and CJ5. The 151 is often called the Jeep's Iron Duke, but is actually a Pontiac engine designed to replace the Chevy Iron Duke in Line 4 engine. This particular inline-four was not very powerful, had almost no aftermarket support, and was generally considered to be gutless, but economical and reliable. And it was that reputation for being relatively reliable and efficient that carried the 2.5-liter option into future years of Jeep models. In 1984, AMC introduced its own four-cylinder engine design with an even 150 cubic inch uh, displacement but carrying the same 2.4-liter moniker. In 1986, the AMC 2.5-liter four-cylinder engine gained throttle body injection in the XJ Cherokee applications. The same engine, in the Jeep CJs, used a carburetor. Now, the YJ Wrangler application of the 2.5-liter introduced with the 1987 models came with TBI, Bottle body injection, making this feisty little engine the first to use of fuel injection in a Jeep. From 1997 to 2002, it was marked, marketed as the Powertech Inline 4 and was produced through 2002 for the Jeep Wrangler as well as for the Dodge Dakota pickups. Choppy's friend's Jeep has been around now for the better part of 23 years and likely has got a couple turns on the odometer too. Now, although we got an indication that this engine has a fresh rebuild, it's unclear as to whether or not that was done at a shop or over the course of a couple weekends while the music plays and the beer flows. Was it just a top-end rebuild? Was it just a bottom-end rebuild? How much checking was done afterwards? Was the comp- How is the compression after the rebuild? Were the new rings installed properly? Was the head gone through by a machine shop and fully rebuilt as well? there's just too many questions that we need answered to really dial down the exact issue this particular Jeep engine is having. What we can do is look at some common issues that could potentially cause the symptoms that we're seeing here. If it starts and runs fine, well, the chances are the timing and ignition are all fine, but it wouldn't hurt to verify, of course. We can also assume that there is adequate fuel going to the engine, but I would put a gauge on it and make sure that it's getting the 50 PSI, plus or minus 5%, uh, or 5 PSI, rather, under load to rule out any problems with the pump or regulator. Now, even though the gas might be getting to the engine, we don't know if it's getting delivered properly enough to each of the cylinders. So we're gonna need to check what sort of condition the injectors are in and whether or not they're operating as they should. The exhaust is another area I would look at. The engine might be fresh, but what about those O2 sensors? And what's the condition of the catalytic converter? Faulty O2 sensors can send bad info to the computer in a 1997 Wrangler causing all sorts of power loss, but this would generally throw a code and, a plugged up catalytic con- and, and illuminate the check, check engine light in the dash. The same can be said for the results of a plugged up catalytic converter. If the exhaust can't freely flow, then the engine can't breathe well enough to make the power that it needs under load. There could even be an issue with the throttle position sensor not sending the right info to the computer. Again, the engine may be freshly rebuilt, but do we know how old the sensors are? As far as the screeching noise coming off the acceleration goes, well, this too can be all kinds of things, and the tone, the pitch, what sort of sound or what sort of changes the noise goes through when various other factors are at play are are all things we need to know. Does it still happen after it's warmed up? Does the sound change at all with speed, RPM, temperature, or even direction? Does it happen in reverse too? Is the sound even coming from the engine? Could it be the drive line, axle, or transfer case related? Maybe it's just that somebody forgot to put the mounting bolt back in the distributor cap lock the distributor lockdown tab, or did somebody lose an earring or a 10 millimeter socket in this distributor cap? Or maybe the fan shroud is looser than your mom on a Saturday night, and every time you take off, it moves, the fan, it moves into the fan. Man. I don't know. Maybe there is something wrong with the clutch fan or the fan itself. It might be that the belt tensioner or water pump pulley is going out. There could be literally a hundred different sources for the noise, and all we can do is guess. I like troubleshooting, though. It can be fun sometimes if you go about it like a treasure hunt, since once you find out what's going on, it's like finding treasure. Now, granted, in this case, it's the kind of treasure that ends up costing you money than providing it, but still. Unfortunately for my former co-worker's friend, I just don't have enough information to provide anything but the vaguest of guesses at this point. I've got their contact information, and I plan on reaching out in person, since these guys are somewhat local to me at least, and we'll see if we can't get things a little bit more narrowed down for them. In the meantime, good luck, guys, and honestly, I hope you've already figured it out and it was nothing major.
4: Well certainly with this uh, treasure hunt There's going to be metal involved You're going to find something rubbing something So it'll be interesting to find out
0: Well anything to add to this or maybe you have a question for Tech Talk Just jump over to JeepTalkShow.com Slash contact and find out all the ways You can send us a message, let us know what you have to say Or would let us know what you have That you would like for us to cover Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show?
1: What do you talk about man?
0: Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? I got no idea what the heck. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at?
1: Get out of my face, yo.
0: Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Underwater. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? In the bubble bath. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? No clue. And where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? While flexing on stumps. where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? I would assume on the radio. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes and at Jeeptalkshow.com. <Outrets>
4: So we received an email the other day, I'm I'm sure somebody went over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and uh, and found our contact information there, and it was uh, from Stu Ackerman of The Conversation. Stu has been doing uh, interviews with folks for some time now and has uh, quite a few under his belt, and he reached out to the Jeep Talk Show team, Uh, he wanted to interview one or all of us, and uh, we pulled... True straws and Josh lost. So, Josh, well, thank you, thank Josh. you for yeah, th- oh. thanks for throwing yourself there on the knife, uh, so to speak. But actually, I think it was a, a great uh, a, a great thing having you on that show because, well, you know how to talk.
0: <laughs> uh, apparently, <laughs> I think I, I ended up like taking over the uh, the whole show uh, pretty much. No, uh, Stu's a great guy. Uh, the conversation with Stu is what his show is called. Uh, he's got a number of episodes up there, and he's, I mean, talk about diverse. Ah, uh, some. I mean, he's got uh, some guys from. Ah, uh, uh, interviewed a guy uh, recently that was uh, on the writing staff for the show Seinfeld. And I've heard uh, of and yeah, right. <laughs> who hasn't? Um, a bunch of celebrities and, and stuff like that. So I was kind of, I was kind of taken aback. Like, are y- you know who you're talking to? Right? We're we're not. <laughs> well, at this the makes sense. Why you held back? That you normally, why you yes, weren't you uh, your normal chatty <laughs> self? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, come to find out, uh, Stu Ackerman is actually a, uh, a Jeep enthusiast as well. Uh, he's a relatively new Jeep owner and um, uh, and we, we got into the whole, you know jeep ownership thing. We didn't really talk a whole lot about the show. We didn't really talk a whole lot about his show. We didn't really talk a whole lot about me. <laughs> but we, we, talked, it, about we Jeeps, talked about we talked about Jeeps. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it really was. Which it is really the best was. thing to talk about. Well, and the yeah. thing was, is he had all these topics and and things that he wanted to talk about, and we got to three of them. So <laughs> oh. in, in, the, in the like forty five minutes to an hour worth of podcast that the show was. We, we only got to like literally the smallest percentage of a fraction of what he wanted to talk about. So he's definitely going to have me back. He's, he's going to, he's going to open up uh, the schedule for me in a couple months. Uh, so where it's a little bit more fresh and stuff like that. We talked about, um, you know, his Jeep ownership and, and what he's done and, and access to Jeeping and, and, you know, new Jeep owners and, and what the world of Jeeping is like and, and how people can get involved. And we talked about the show a little bit and we talked about you know what it's like to own a Jeep and and how to take it to the next level, and I'm pretty sure I've convinced him to take his uh, Sahara in and exchange it out for a Rubicon. So, well,
4: you actually yeah, used uh-oh. Tammy as a as a uh, an example of no, I did, uh, how she actually, went from the, from that to something more,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, I actually, Tammy, I I told your story uh, on the show, um, and, and really there was a lot of similarities between Stu and and I would imagine a ton of other Jeepers out there when they okay, you know, I'm going to buy a Jeep for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and and very soon, uh, you know, into the ownership of 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 owning a Wrangler, you discover, wow, this thing is pretty dang capable, and. And wow, if I go up to the next model, it becomes a whole lot more capable. And, and a whole nother world opens up to me at this point when I, when I suddenly now own a Jeep. And, and even more so when you get into like the Rubicon and stuff like that. So we, we got into all these different layers of Jeep ownership and stuff like that. It was a very fun, natural, organic conversation that flowed very well. And it was a good time on the conversation with Stu. So uh, we're going to have some links that, where you guys can check it out. Uh, you can check out the interview, uh, check out his show altogether. Uh, We'll have links to that in the show notes for this episode, so if you want to go hear me dominate somebody else's podcast, uh, we'll have the links so you can go check it out.
4: If, If you don't get enough Josh on this show with all the other pesky hosts jumping in and interrupting... Uh, Go over there and listen to uh, Stu's uh, the conversation with Josh, and because Stu doesn't interrupt, he just listens. He's he's a good host. You really just kind of let me take control. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Did it was (laughs) like I I heard him. I heard the
4: coffee coffee maker making a a a pot of coffee and a a flush later. So uh, he was busy. He was busy doing stuff. (laughs) So now now this is good because uh, I want to I want to read this. I think I shared this with you guys on uh, Hangouts today. A uh, hound dude who has been uh, following the Jeep Talk Show on Twitter for a very long time uh, sent a tweet uh, to uh, to Stu Ackerman, and uh, he says, um, "As a lifelong introvert, I get anxious just listening to Josh speak. That oh, no. <laughs> that dude, <laughs> wait for it, that dude can talk for an hour all by himself. Doesn't even need Tony to fill in the awkward silences. What a gift!" Now Stu says, "Agreed." That bastard wouldn't let me talk for an hour. Oh, I'm sorry, I, <laughs> I, I'm filling in. I agreed. Josh is a fantastic speaker, so uh, you got two oh, wow. accolades there uh, from uh, from uh, the folks there on Twitter.
0: Way cool, way cool. Thank you guys very much, Stu. It was a pleasure being on the show, and uh, and uh, definitely uh, you know willing to do it again anytime you have me. So. Uh, uh, and of course, if you guys out there, if you are listening to the show, you know of a another podcast, another show that you would like for us to crash. I mean, be on. Uh, <laughs> I take uh, him, would be sure to <laughs> be sure to hound them constantly until we get an invite or a cease and desist letter, which whichever comes first. <laughs> now, in all seriousness, guys, uh, podcasting cross promotion is actually one of the best ways we as podcasters can help the community and and you know spread this whole you know world of podcasting faster than a COVID in a retirement home. Too soon? <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> and uh, I was trying to get a word in there earlier no, sorry. to explain. Now everybody gets why you don't hear me much on the show. It's <laughs> because it's really hard Not to squeeze falls, in actually. there when Josh is talking.
4: <laughs> well, now it's time for Wendy to talk. What? Where's the
0: noob? Noob! 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 Hey, newbie! Noobie!
2: Noob! Nugget.
0: It's time for Newbie Nuggets.
2: Thanks, Tony. So when you're new (laughs) to jeeping, one of the questions you might have is, who else has a jeep and how do I connect with them? There are lots of avenues to find other jeepers. You just have to start looking. Since we all have some extra time on our hands right now, what a great opportunity to search for ways to connect with other jeepers once we're free to move about the planet. I'm talking about jeep clubs, groups or meetups, and events. Now hear me out. There are some good things about these options that you may not be aware of. I know some of you may be thinking, yeah, but I don't want anyone else along or I can do it all by myself. And that's okay. But when you're new, you may want to find a group, a club, or an event to attend so you can gain more knowledge. Half the battle of being new is finding good info and good mentors to learn from so that you can become the jeeper you've always wanted to be. Okay, I kind of stole that part from the army recruiting commercials, but you kind of get my point. Let's start with exploring Jeep clubs. Now, for those of you already in a club, you may agree that the first time you attended a meeting, it was a bit uncomfortable because you didn't know anyone and you may have felt a bit out of place, but after a while it was comfortable and you've made some great friends in the process. Now, Jeep clubs can be good for a source of learning and expertise. One thing I prefer is being around like-minded people. We all want to Jeep in some form and it helps you gain confidence. Our local Jeep club, for example, has everyone from brand new drivers, to years of experience, to stock jeeps off the showroom floor, on up to heavily modified jeeps, and we even have a few jeep racers in our club. Lots of options to gain knowledge from everyone at some point. Now, clubs generally have runs each month. Some offer multiple runs each month. Others may offer few, fewer depending on the size and experience level of the members. Our club offers runs in all three levels, green, blue, and black diamond. We, we try to offer one easy run and one more difficult each month each month. I love seeing a new member or new driver gain confidence and then start to lead runs. So amazing to see their journey. Now, clubs also offer ways to maintain trails. I mentioned in a previous episode that trail etiquette includes maintaining the trails. Our club participates in the Adopt-a-Trail program in Southern California, and we manage and maintain three trails in the mountains of Big Bear. What a great opportunity to help clean up, shore up, and fix broken and damaged trails. Now, some clubs usually do charity work. Our club has a scholarship program where we donate dollars to a deserving graduating high schooler that will be attending a trade school. The money we raise throughout the year through various events gets donated to this program. Other clubs may offer other types of charity involvement. And clubs usually have a monthly meeting, mostly around a dinner time. And clubs generally have a requirement to join, like maybe you need to attend three meetings, participate in a run. Or this one club I know has their criteria to include an overnight run. That club wants to make sure the members are active Jeepers. Now, depending on what type of Jeep you, Jeeping you want to do, there are lots of clubs out there, and I'm sure you can find one that fits your style. You can research Jeep clubs and check out their individual websites and see what they are doing if it lines up with what you are passionate about. Now, another option besides clubs are groups or meetups. Now, these can be fun. This is usually a group formed by other Jeepers or off-roaders and may consist of all vehicles equipped for off-road and not just Jeeps. This is a great way to get out on the trails and meet other Jeepers. You can find them on Facebook and chat rooms and a simple Google search will turn up all sorts of options for you to check out. As an example, we have several local groups here in Southern California area. One is the SoCal 4x4 trail group that does runs all the time. Some are with large amount of vehicles and some are just a bit smaller. The runs and difficulty is usually listed, and you can decide whether you want to join the group or not. Another group is the SoCal Jeeps. They offer runs as well and different events. And another one is even more specific is called the High Desert 4x4 Recovery. Now, these guys are pretty cool. It's a group that helps others that get stuck or stranded on highways, not just Jeeps. So to let you know, there are lots of groups out there specific to certain vehicles, like maybe just Wranglers or Toyotas. Others may be specific to a region or a type of wheeling. It's really fun to do some research about what groups are in your area, and you might just be surprised at what you'll find. And there's generally no club to join. You show up for the run and have some fun. And another option to consider is events. Now these are typically a gathering by an organization trying to raise awareness of the trails, conservation, or maybe doing a fundraiser for a charity event. Events can be found by Googling your town's visitor page Seeing posters in a local shop, maybe on Facebook, but attending an event and participating is a great way to see what it's all about. Whether you go to buy something you just got to have for your Jeep or you can't live without, or you want to support that charity, events are a great opportunity for those in the Jeeping world. And vendors at events love to share their info and what better way to spend a day learning things you didn't know you needed to know or maybe you did want to know. The experience at an event can also open the doors to clubs, groups, and other events that may be of interest to you. Something like Jeep Jamboree or the Rubicon Trail. Now, here's a great example. A couple episodes ago, Josh mentioned about Tread Lightly, and they're a group that's committed to recreation access in many regions. And it's a fabulous organization with lots of information about preserving and maintaining our trails. And I wanna thank you, Josh, for bringing that up. This is a perfect example of sharing information. Josh shared this information, and I didn't even know it existed. That's how the Jeep thing works, guys. We all share something, and we all can learn something. And by the way, the Tread Lightly link is in our show notes. Now, realistically, being new can be a little lonesome at first, kind of like what we are experiencing now with self-isolation and waiting for the day we can get out and wheel again. And if you have a buddy who helped you get into jeeping, then you already have some suggestions and ideas to follow. But if you are new and navigating this alone, Reach out to us and let us know what information you'd like help with. I'm sure between all of us, we'll find an answer for you. So let's ask the team. Hey, guys, what kind of clubs or groups do you guys belong to or follow?
0: Oh, boy. Well, um, see, that list has kind of evolved over the years. (laughs) I mean, uh, what was it? Back in 2012, I think it was. Maybe it was 2013, um, I was the president of the Northwest Chapter of the North American XJ Association, with my constituency oh, cool. being Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, and the Greater British Columbia. Wow. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, there was a, obviously quite a number of jeepers, uh, uh, in in that area and uh, in those areas, and uh, and so I've you know certainly had a lot of exposure to a lot of different regional, uh, uh, you know, clubs as far as the the other things that people are involved in now. Um, a, a club that I am involved with, but not a member of, um, that I, I, I participate in an event that they do every year. It's, they limit it to hundred, uh, uh, Jeeps only. Um, it's, um, it's kind of first come first serve. Some of it's by invite. Uh, and, um, luckily they, they invited me to, to come in and MC their, their event, their big raffle that they do for this three day event that they offer every year. And this is Oregon's longest lasting, uh, recognized Jeep club that was established back in like 1960. Uh, so wow. you know, this is, a, this is uh, the Jolly Jeepers is what they're called. They do have a website. You can go check them out. Um, and they are, I mean, if you want to look at an example of what an exemplary Jeep club is and how they, how they manage themselves and everything, that is a perfect example for it now you know there's there's other places out there you know you look at clubs then and they look a little bit more like you know extreme and and the guys you know they've got a keg in the back of their jeep at all times you know man that's not it might not be for you i mean 20 years Mm -hmm. ago sure you know, when it was all about, uh, you know, drinking and having fun and stuff like that, you know, I get it. Absolutely. You know, there's definitely a time and place for that sort of stuff. But uh, but no, there are clubs that are pretty much on either end of that spectrum. If you're looking for a party club that likes to go out and do bonfires and, and, and you know, stuff like that and, and drinking around the them. Jeeps, and they're, they're <laughs> definitely out there. They're definitely out there um and if you're looking for a little bit more of a family environment and you you're trying to you know look for other like-minded individuals and and that are doing regular events and and maybe even doing some stuff with and for the community uh, I highly recommend looking into that sort of stuff it is very very rewarding and uh, and there's certainly lots of avenues uh, to uh, to have an outlet for the, for that sort of thing uh, and definitely in your community um they're all over the place uh, so turn to Facebook uh, turn to some of the other social media Ah, uh, places where you can find and search for, um, you know, like-minded individuals and in, and in clubs that are that have the kind of mindset and and uh, uh, and sort of structure that you're looking for that are in your community. They are out there. You might just have to dig a little bit
2: for them. You know, it's interesting when we first uh, got into our Jeep and then we're looking for this type of thing. You know, where are the runs? Who can we connect with? Um, I did do searches, and it was funny. You could put in words like Jeep, or I didn't know the word runs back then. So it was more like using the word event. And we did find a lot of different types of things. And you're right. It runs a gamut from the partiers to somebody who's serious to then there's the other extreme of, you know, well, you don't quite fit in kind of a deal. So you do have to kind of figure out what's going to work for you and what fits. So uh, how about you, Tammy? Um, I actually joined
3: a Jeep club when I first started because um, they were just a very close knit Family-oriented Jeep Club. Unfortunately, they were in Pennsylvania. I was in Maryland, but they still welcomed me in. And I think nice. when you're first starting out, that is probably the best way I to, um, yeah, to get acclimated to the whole Jeep community, and then you can start venturing out. And to be honest with you, I would be wary of big, huge Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been some that I've seen that. There's lots of fighting on Facebook with that. So, like, if you're first starting out, I would definitely find that close-knit group that has been around for a long time. And then you can, like, expand from there.
2: Yeah, that's really good advice. How about you, Tony? I don't
4: do clubs. Um, I don't start cool. clubs. I don't uh, join clubs because uh, it almost always ends badly. Uh, anytime there's a, a, large group of people, everybody has their own way of thinking about how things should be uh, done and, uh, they don't listen to the leaders. They don't follow the leaders. They get pissed off. They go form their own thing. I'm mm-hmm. just very anti club. Uh, I love the idea of doing a podcast or having a, a website where you share information and, uh, you, and people can, you know, be there or not. They can, uh, join in the conversation and be respectful to other people, uh, mm-hmm. the way it should be. And I, you know, I may be wrong. I mean, I know there's good clubs out there, but just in general, uh, I think uh, for me personally, clubs are a bad idea.
2: You know what? I, I'd have to agree with you on that for the most part. What I found different about the Jeep Club was that um, it was a different mindset. Now, maybe it's because we have lots of options here in Southern California to to go out and wheel anytime, um, but I think you you do have to check that out, and that's something as a a newbie is that you need to say to yourself, you know, what do I want to get out of that club and and you want to participate and I will just sort of give a little caveat of once you're involved in that club and you start to do runs and you start to, you know, hang out, you will be asked to step up and volunteer for things and I think that's part of that camaraderie of being able to contribute something so maybe you have a skill or a talent uh maybe you can help them with their website maybe you can you know you don't mind taking the minutes at some point so those are things to think about when you join a club is that you know it's everybody shares in that responsibility too it shouldn't just be one or two people at the top doing all the work so but the actual club itself and what we get out of it and how we can bring somebody new in and help them and mentor them i think that's a big key too so i appreciate you guys pitching in on that that's some really good information so All right. Well, as always, you can view some great videos on our YouTube channel, Jeep 4-1-1. We have lots of tips, tricks, and techniques. The uh, website information is in the show notes. Okay. Are you a newbie and maybe you remember something important you learned when you first became a Jeeper and you want to share it with us? We want to hear from you. Reach out to us with your newbie nugget. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com contact to find out all the ways to contact us.
1: From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And this uh, Corona quarantine thing is starting to get unreal. Uh, it's day <laughs> seven of the quarantine, and
2: uh, I've been people have been avoiding me my whole life, so it's coming kind of natural. Although uh, the food situation is getting critical. When I look at the cat, I just I wonder how he would taste in some uh, nice sweet and sour sauce. So, <laughs> oh, and Nikki. when he looks at me, I'm pretty sure he's thinking of what part he's going to eat me, meat of me first and how desperate does he have to be to try to taste the Nikki G. <laughs> you know? But that's uh, not really too
1: concerned about it because there's plenty of wallpaper paste left to go around for everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, got to go pizzas here. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. <laughs>
4: You know, you got to wonder, uh, that's the information we need, Josh, is what? how are pizza sales uh, faring this quarter?
0: Sure. <laughs> Record sales. Uh, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking.
4: We haven't seen anything this big since the day after Thanksgiving and Super Bowl uh, <laughs> weekend. So. All those all well, those
0: big gas and big airline profits that we see. Oh, Five billion dollars in profit <laughs> this quarter. And it's just like, okay, and Pizza Hut now reporting the same thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, I also noticed that we didn't hear from the rooster. So I'm wondering if that's oh. on the pizza or what happened. That's a good
4: catch there, Wendy. <laughs> He's been in every episode, last uh, several episodes. so He wasn't there that time.
2: I'm a little worried.
4: That's because he was
0: in the pot. <laughs> it's just so good to get outside. <laughs> By <laughs> social distancing you better oh, keep your six foot distance and stuff God, i'm so oh sick of this. man
4: i'm not kidding you uh it's just amazing to me how we have the flu every year and uh this thing is lasting this long uh, i i don't see i just don't see it it doesn't You know, maybe they caught
0: it just in time. This is at the right moment. There are literally literally more deaths from people driving slow in the left lane than there are from (laughs) coronavirus. So, I mean, it's time, people, to realize the fear-mongering campaign and to start using some common sense and to grow the F up. Because, seriously, if you're the kind of person that's wearing two masks in the vehicle by yourself (laughs) going down the road, you are part of the effing problem, not the solution. And you're an effing idiot. You should might as well just, seriously, just add to the numbers, take yourself out of the gene pool, go home, commit suicide. That way there will be more stuff for the rest of us. And we're all going to be better off for it because no longer are you going around <laughs> making other people think that it's a good idea to wear a mask inside of their vehicle driving down the freeway by themselves <laughs> but
4: josh <laughs> if they commit suicide they're going to be marked down as a covid-19 death
2: that's right and the numbers are going to be false <laughs> don't yes, commit suicide a, clearly COVID is putting a
0: bullet through people's brains <laughs> I, I don't know I, well uh,
4: it's either that or Hillary. So, uh, oh no, I went political again. I gotta, let's, oh, let's, man. I gotta. Somebody got after me on the uh, on Facebook about that. Let's take a pause. So no, I to I, I, up. I have.
0: I. It's I have your show, it up to Tony. Here.
4: I know, but I. Yeah. Josh is always told ta- is always in love. No, no political. Don't do political. And he's right. We. Uh, no, we're not going to
0: go down that rabbit trail. But uh, but no, it, it is. I think we've all pretty much just about had it up to here with. With the current state of things, and we're all ready for a, a bit of a change back to the what we can consider normal, normal. Uh, and it's long overdue. Uh, so, but getting into the campfire side chat, I mean, we over the last several weeks we've been sort of you know pulling a topic out of thin air, and uh, and and talking about one thing in particular, whether it's this, that, or the other thing, and and we try and stay on topic as best we can. This week, I decided it's it's something that I've actually been considering. Of which way I'm going to go, when this is, when when I have to make this decision, and and the question is is would you sacrifice your roof rack on your Jeep for more inches of lift or tires to keep the ability to park in the garage or your carport or wherever you're parking your Jeep right now if it's if it's under For me, I've got literally just a couple inches of clearance on my roof rack to to the trim on my garage door, and so when I pull my Jeep in. It's, it, I mean, it's it's right there. So if I step up to 35s, uh, if I go up another inch or two and lift, there's a very chance that I'm going to have to air down to get into my garage or worse, have to sacrifice my my roof rack. Now, I don't know if that's something that I'm willing to do i mean i sure i suppose i I am willing to air down to go you know wheel over that one inch lip to get into my garage you know Uh, you better air down to cover that obstacle uh but it no it's it's uh it's one of those things to where i just don't know which way i'm gonna go my jeep stays garage that's one thing i'm not willing to sacrifice uh even if i step up to 40s or something like that i'm gonna put in a taller garage door if that's what it takes but no, seriously, it, it's one of those things to where, regardless of what's going on, my Jeep is not going to spend the night outside. There's just, you know, I've well, had not my, in that neighborhood. I've had a, well, no, <laughs> I've, I've had five, I've had a car stolen five times, broken into another four. It, it's not, it's, it's something I don't want. I'm not willing to. Okay, I'm going to wake up in the morning and my, my, my winch and my lights are going to be gone, and and the bumpers aren't there. You know, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. So it's just going to, st- it's going to stay garaged. And if that means that I have to sacrifice my roof rack in order to do that, regardless of the modifications that I make in the future, well, that's a step that I'm willing to go, or, or am I? And so, I, I'm going to find out where you guys are at in this, in this situation. Uh, Tammy, now, I know that you've, you've, uh, you've been a, a, you know, a garaged Jeep girl, as it were, for, for pretty much your entire Jeep ownership, as mm-hmm. it were. You've, you've garaged both of your Jeeps would this be something that you'd be willing to, to do? Would you sacrifice, uh, you know, uh, the roof rack, um, if you were stepping up to like 38s or, or 37s or something?
3: Um, for me, yes. Um, I don't want a roof rack because of my soft top. Um, I know there's some that, that can lift up, I guess, but I, I prefer just not having the roof rack because I like to take my top down. Um, would I go any higher than 35s? <laughs> Pro- yeah, I always like to take my top off. Um, would I go higher than 35s than what I'm at now? No. Um, and that was just barely squeezing into the garage. So, yes, I would give up the roof rack for more lift, if that made any sense.
0: No, absolutely. Now, Tony, I know that, that uh, you know, you've got four Jeeps in your family now, uh, possibly even more. I, I've, I've lost track over the years now. Uh, I don't know how many of your Jeeps are garaged. And so any one of them, I know, uh, I can't remember, your, your XJ, the 98, has had a roof rack in the past, or or does it now? I can't remember exactly. And, and if it does, would that be something that you'd be willing to sacrifice to keep your Jeep garageable? I don't see the point
4: of a roof rack. Uh, to to be honest with you um i think it's one of those things i think it's one of those things (laughs) that you go you know i haven't bought anything and put anything on my jeep in a long time and you know this roof rack goes on the outside that everybody will be able to see and they'll go wow he's adventurous (laughs) i'm gonna gonna follow him um i've thought about getting a roof rack uh but uh, i never wanted to keep it on there I, i actually thought that what i would do is uh, work up a, a little hoist system inside the garage and uh, hoist the uh, the roof rack up out of the way so that uh, on my daily driving I didn't have a roof rack because, again, I don't see a big sense of it. I mean, I could strap a axe to it on one side, a shovel on the other, and, uh, you know, okay, it's kind of cool, but I really don't need that on my drive back and forth. Now, what I have seen that I think that would be uh, a lot more fun to have, not necessarily uh, for— off-roading, but overlanding would be a rooftop tent. Now that would cause me some difficulties getting in and out of the garage, so that definitely would require a a system in which I had to uh, store it up high and then bring it down and walk it over and put it on the jeep outside of the garage. So, uh, but to answer your question, I think uh, if you need the lift and the tires and the clearance, the ground clearance. Uh, absolutely, get rid of that rack, get rid of that uh, that roof tent, rooftop tent, whatever you need, so that you can get open up and over the obstacles.
0: Wendy, what about you guys? Uh, I don't know if you've got a roof rack on on the on the jeeps you guys have or or, or run. Um, is is this something that is even an issue for you? Is this something that you've ever considered or would ever uh. have to consider?
2: Yeah, we, we haven't had to consider it. We don't have a roof rack. I'm kind of with Tony. I don't really see the point. I think it gets a little top <gasps> heavy if you're loading stuff on there. And so I look at it more from how's the Jeep going to maneuver through obstacles? And if it's top heavy, is that an issue? Um, but I do think that if we're if people are getting into more overlanding and they do put those tents, I think those are actually thicker or oh, deeper yeah. than oh, yeah. a roof rack. Definitely. So it yeah. would be an issue. For me, I'd be looking at lifting the garage or the carport because I would not be <laughs> sacrificing it. So I'd be like, well, let's see. Uh, if I want that lift or bigger tires, we're going to lift the garage or I'm going to have to find a new place.
4: So L- little tires. Little tires and wheels for uh, you know, like putting the, the Jeep in the garage.
0: You know, I, <laughs> I must, you I, I must be... Time. Cut from a different kind of cloth here because I use my roof rack a lot with my Jeep. Uh, I do a lot what of camping though. I was
3: just going to ask you, Josh. Yeah, I do a lot of camping though, it? and and I and I I do a lot oh, of.
0: Uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but I do several trips a yeah. a year or so where I'm, you know, I'm out for two or three days or so. You know, I mean, not like yeah. a full on week long expedition. You know, where I'm, you know, hours away from, you know, hundreds of miles away from the, you know, nearest individual or you know uh, something like that. No, it's, it's not quite to that extreme. I'm more into rock crawling than I am expedition wheeling uh, or overlanding, that sort of stuff. That being said, the roof rack never comes off my Jeep. In fact, it was one of the very first modifications that I ever did to my Jeep was putting that roof rack on, just because of how much that I end up using it. Now, um, I mean, it's it's been used for, for camping. It's been used for wheeling. I've put a bunch of firewood up there before and way top heavy on it. You want to talk about it, you know, uh, definitely a center of gravity change. Yeah, you know, you put a quarter of firewood up on top of your Jeep, you're going to notice some, some grass change in, uh, in the weight, that, in the weight <laughs> on that thing. But uh, but no, I mean, uh, DJ equipment and, and firewood and camping equipment, I mean, I, that thing has served so many different purposes on me, for me. It, it, the, only, the only reason I'd be willing to sacrifice it would be to go to something way more low profile, completely custom built. I haven't seen anything on the market that would be um, you know, if, if I need to step up to 35s to 37s, you know, something like that, at that point, I'm looking at a roof rack of, you know, maybe two inches tall tops, you know, in order for my Jeep to still fit in the garage. I personally cannot own my Jeep without a roof rack. That's just not something that works for me. Now, we've got one of our listeners uh, here live on the show with us. Um, as we're recording the show, we got Travis on the horn with us. Now, Travis, I don't know what sort of situation you're in with your Jeep or whatnot, but is this a sacrifice that you'd be willing to make? getting rid of your roof rack or roof type of storage for the sake of keeping your gra- keeping your Jeep garageable if you were to step up in your lift kit or the size of your tires?
1: In a heartbeat, I would have the rack gone. Um, You know, I, I look, I've got an old YJ. Chudor, I hate all of you. Small. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got no storage. I mean, in the vehicle, I've got a cargo basket or a cargo rack above my spare tire. It's not above the height of the Jeep and it holds anything that I need to go. You know, I'm not... Doing what you're doing, I'm not camping. I mean, I do camp, but but I do. I've got my back seat, I've got that cargo basket, and I've got an attachment—the little cargo you do your trailer hitch. Oh,
0: right, I, I got, got
4: one carry everything too.
1: I need. You I- know, so also I have a Harbor Freight garage. I could literally boost it up and make it higher if if I had a rack, mm-hmm. and I'd yeah. be good ding, to ding, go.
2: Ding, ding, ding. right there.
4: Yeah, I, I get the feeling this is, uh, and I may be wrong about this, but I get the feeling this is much more a, a Cherokee uh, uh, thing to do. Than it is a Wrangler thing, especially with the ability to take a top off, whether it be a hard top or a soft top. So this might actually, in, in each one of the, the folks here, other than you and I, Josh, uh, have Wranglers. So that might be one of the reasons why. Now I, I will mention, I throw you a bone here. I'd like to have a rack from those uh, outside chance that I do want to carry something and it won't fit in the back of my station wagon because uh, there is a fair amount of storage in the back. And 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 truth be told, I do have a rack. But it's a safari rack that's on the inside of my Jeep. Ah. So I have two layers of, uh, of storage, if you will, in the, uh, the cargo area, uh, even with the, the back seat. And if I really need storage, I can uh, fold that uh, back seat down.
0: Yeah, the, one of the last uh, big trips that I, that I took out to Natchez, uh, eastern Washington area out there, that was for the, uh, the next 10-year anniversary. Um, that was a trip where I had the roof rack, the entire storage area with the seat folded down full, And a trailer hitch uh, rack as well, uh, completely full, including, you know, fuel and uh, excess fuel and and spare parts and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Now, all of this aside, you got to understand, I'm also a former Boy Scout. And so I end up completely over preparing for virtually everything. (laughs) So I likely (laughs) bring way more to the trail than I probably should be. Uh, Just about any given time, and so with that, you know, comes this inherent need for extra storage or or more storage than your average Jeeper would probably ever need. Uh, And so I probably get a little bit more use out of my roof rack than your average Jeeper. I have a little bit more uh, importance to it than than your average Mm -hmm. Jeeper does. And yeah, I can definitely understand a lot with the Wrangler uh, Wrangler crowd how you know roof racks aren't uh, as big of a deal as you would see on the uh, the Grand Cherokee or the or the XJ guys. Um, but with that, I think that's also a regional thing. I see a lot of wranglers out here in the Pacific Northwest that are running you know partial exocage cage or that are running you know um a very basic roof rack of some kind. and I've even seen the kind that Travis is running where it's kind of over the spare tire. I see a lot of those out here as well yeah, um and and yeah it's it it really does because it it does keep things a little bit more low, lower profile and makes the jeep easier to garage. So, um, so, well, I guess just, I'm I'm out on a limb here by myself. <laughs> it's a,
5: well, one of those one things thing where I've
3: it, learned, Josh, being yeah. in this camper life, tiny home life and using things that you just really need and not bringing stuff that you really don't need. And I, I just think that has freed up so much of just... The stress you have when you're getting ready to go off-roading, when you're off-roading, and you don't have all this stuff that you don't need. It, it goes back to the whole simplify your life. And I, I, totally get the Boy Scout thing, but there are just some things that you know you have ne- I have never ever touched since day one. Um, so
0: yeah, I I would, have, I would have been about. the guy. I would have been the guy on the trail that had the file. Yeah, that, that right, would have exactly,
2: been exactly, <laughs> exactly. No <laughs> doubt,
4: I, I know it's up here in my roof rack somewhere. He says, "Give me a second uh, well. <laughs> well.
0: you with, know, what? with that being it said, did, I, I do. I'm a big proponent for you know center of gravity concerns uh, as well. So right. when you know I might be going out for you know a three day trip or something, and I might have a ton of stuff on the roof rack, but all of that, a lot of that stuff, all gets c- pulled out of the Jeep I, and gets you know right. dumped off at, at camp. camp. Right, right you, know, exactly. where, where, you know, where it's supposed to be used And I don't need to be taking 300 pounds of gear with me out on the trail Unless I'm, you know, doing the Rubicon or something like that but In right. which case, is it, we're talking a different story here but, uh, so, but yeah,
4: so So Josh, let me ask you this uh, Roof rack or small trailer
0: Which would be your preference? Definitely the roof rack Really? Uh, over the trailer, yeah Because, you know, a trailer is, going, is not exactly going to be following the same exact line that you are uh, and that's just another axle That's going to be hung up That's just another thing That could tip over That's just one more thing but That it, you're dragging it, but it fits, around And
4: honestly It fits the, it, the, the, the your, I mean other than Maybe not having garage space For the, the, the trailer Which would be my problem I don't really have any place To put one yeah, I don't,
0: I don't But have I love
4: put- the idea It's low profile You can take it off You can put it on you don't you, it gives you the extra storage and you're you're not changing your center of gravity. I mean it does have other situations like what you're just talking about where you really have to worry about where you're going and how you're driving because of the trailer, but I yeah. just love the idea of a trailer over a roof rack. The,
0: uh, I like the I I, li- I love those little off-road trailers, especially yes. the ones that are designed after the old military M1 uh, style uh, or, uh, trailers. Or military or, or getting the, the used military ones and using yeah. those. Those things are, I've seen some amazing builds off those things, and I do have a soft spot for them because that is a great platform to put one of those rooftop tents on. Yeah. I would not put a rooftop tent on top of my Jeep. I would absolutely get a trailer to put a rooftop tent on. Oh, that would be my
4: choice. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah.
0: 100%. 100%. So, yeah, that might be another topic we'll have to cover in another, in another uh, Camp Fireside Chat. Well, I'm glad oh, we to, uh, you guys, guys are all uh, more or less calling me out and, and singling me out on this. You too, yeah. Travis. Yeah, Thanks your ideas sucked, Josh. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but that being aside, we'd love to have you guys join the Camp Fireside Chat with us. We're going to come up with a new topic each and every week, and uh, maybe even just sort of uh, you know shoot the rag, as it were, and, uh, and just free form a conversation. Uh, we'd love to have you on. When we do this, just go to jeeptalkshow.com/con. And find out all the ways you can reach out to us. And don't forget, be sure that you are friended us and uh, find us on Facebook. That's where we're going to be sending out the notices. If you want to join in, that's the avenue to get in on it. Absolutely. Well, the COVID scare that has fallen upon society has forced many clubs, groups and organizations to postpone or even cancel events, sometimes for the first time in decades. So if your club business or organization is taking a stand for common sense and preparedness (laughs) and you have an event of any kind going on we would love to give you some nationwide exposure from food and ppe drives to trail runs and more if it involves using your jeep in or for a group let's get the word out that going off-road in a jeep is not the same thing as licking a stranger's face So don't forget to go to JeepTalkShow.com to see the latest events from around the nation and your hometown once we can get some going again, that is. Well, that's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to find some other way of sealing those (laughs) envelopes you send us requesting stickers. With Tony here, we've got more than enough body fluids to go around. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. So I told her, well, just to be safe, sweetheart, why maybe you should sanitize the outside of your jeep with rubbing alcohol and a little bleach, too, while you're at it. Well, anyways, that's how I got this black eye.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was nervous. I was really nervous. <laughs> I did not know where that was going.
1: I've guessing since 2010.